You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Great to have you back with us here again. As We have a fun one for you today. Jason Churchill is going to be here. We're just going to have a fun baseball conversation. He's got some great views on uh, Houston and the Angels and the A's and Texas. So we talk a lot about the division. Also, some of the ramifications involving our current situation and the draft and some other things. So Church is always great to have. And uh, we're going to have a fun conversation coming up in a few minutes. On Mariners Classics tonight, we are playing the 2001 Division Clinch. And it's probably... Uh, something you remember if you were around during that time uh, with the subdued celebration and uh, the American flag in the middle of the field. I mean, it was a very touching moment when the Mariners clinched the division in 2001, and that's what we're playing tonight. I thought on the podcast today we would play Dave talking with Lou Pinella the day after in the pregame show, kind of getting Lou's thoughts about that clinch and and everything surrounding the team at that time. And anytime I think you can find a reason to play Dave Niehaus and Lou Pinella, I think it's something you have to do. So we'll do that first. Jason Churchill will come up right after that. Enjoy. Well, Lou, I guess the, the whole Northwest is still talking about uh, last night's celebration, if you want to call it that. And you have to call it that. But uh, the way it transpired, what happened with the flag out there, the way you won the ball game, uh, everybody feeling perhaps more in a patriotic mood than a baseball mood, it was uh, cathartic. It was therapeutic. I think it was. Uh, I thought our players handled it uh, very well. Uh, we uh, wanted to remember uh, the people that have suffered through the this past week uh, that were affected lives forever. At the same time, we wanted to think about our country and at this time of uh, preparation for war. At the same time, we wanted to salute our fans for uh, the way they supported us all year. And it all worked very, very well. And uh, it was uh, a moving uh, way to uh, finish uh, a divisional race. Now, as we go further on into this, and hopefully we'll go a long way, uh, certainly the mood will, for us anyway, will uh, improve as we play more baseball games. But, uh, you know, it's been a long season. We had a little champagne uh, in the clubhouse, uh, toast, uh, Howard Lincoln, Chuck Armstrong, John Ellis said a few things, and it was subdued. But it was rewarding. And these guys have worked hard for that. So, you know, I was pleased, uh, obviously. We were very respectful. And at the same time, uh, saluted ourselves a little bit yeah. for a job well done. What impressed me about the game itself was you knew you had won it halfway through the ball game, four and a half innings. And when Moyer went out there, uh, Nobody took their foot off the pedal. Nobody took their foot off the gas, kept going, and added to that one nothing lead at that time. Well, you remember, Jamie's trying to go for 20 wins, and it's important that uh, we continue to play well. Uh, we don't want to get ourselves into a, a situation where 
we lose our edge. Uh, we've got a fine balancing act here to do uh, the rest of the way in. Uh, we've got 16 games to go. Uh, it's not like we have four or five in postseason start. So, you know, we've got to look at a, a lot of facets. We've got to play a lot of people. Uh, we're starting to get nicked up a little bit. Uh, Boone's got, hurt now. Yeah, Boone's hurt with the heel. We've got uh, uh, Bell with the intercostal. We've got uh, Martin who still can't throw. Uh, we can't afford many more injuries. That's for darn sure. So we're going to rest our team. We're going to try to win some baseball games, but we're going to try to get ready for postseason. By the time uh, we got off the air last night, I came down to congratulate you. Uh, practically everybody was gone, and, and uh, you obviously were mighty happy. And you, you made a remark to me, and I want to find out what you were talking about. You said, boy, we play ABC baseball. ABC baseball is uh, good pitching. Good defense, um, timely hitting. But we do things by the numbers. We, we move runners. Uh, we don't make many mistakes. Uh, we get good pitching. Uh, it's, 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 it's rudimentary baseball. If you draw it up on the board and, and you say, coming out of spring training, this is the way I'd like to see our baseball team perform. Well, I tell you what. That's the way they performed. You can you can draw it up. Good pitching, good defense, keep the other team from scoring, move runners, use your speed, uh, hit just enough home runs to 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 to, to win baseball games uh, with some power at times, and 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 don't beat yourselves. I mean that's the way you would draw it up. And I think that if you talk to any manager or any football coach or any basketball coach or any coach at all that has anything to do with athletics. What you try to do is keep the other team from scoring much. At the same time, you don't want to make mistakes to beat yourself. And you want to control the clock a little bit. And that's basically what we've done. So that's why I called it ABC. I don't know if it makes sense or not. But I feel that way. It makes a lot of sense. What you're saying is you play the game the way it's supposed to be played. The way it's supposed to be played, exactly. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I, I, it's a fun team to watch. I mean, these guys play hard. Uh, they don't take anything for granted. Uh, I love the statement <laughs> in the paper this morning. I got a kick out of it when McLemore was asked, uh, what chance have you got of winning tonight? He said 72%. And we'll have 72% tomorrow and 72% the next day. Well, we played over. We're playing 720-some ball. That's percent that we have to win. Uh, good statement. At the same time, uh, uh, you know, these guys come to the ball. I don't think if you asked our guys, I don't know if they could tell you how many wins we have. They, they can tell you this, that they expect to win a baseball game today. That's a pretty good situation oh, yeah. to be in. Well, maybe they'll serve alphabet soup on the plane tonight. <laughs> we don't. Maybe they will. Uh, we're rushing some people tonight. We've got a little different lineup. I've got Borders behind the plate. i got Sprague at first base. i got Javier in right field. Uh, Vasquez is going to play some second base today. i got Gibson at third. So we're going to rotate our club around a little bit here through the weekend anyway. Uh, give some people some rest. Get some people in the bullpen some, some much-needed work. And then uh, as we start getting a little healthier, you'll see our lineup out there that's going to be in postseason uh, much more often. Good luck today. Thanks. Uh, it's always great to hear from Lou Pinello. And now we turn our attention to the conversation with Jason Churchill. And had I started the recording on time, you would have heard me ask the question, how he's doing, and uh, you would have heard his entire answer. We will join Jason Churchill's answer to how he's doing partway through his answer. Here we are. Do our part, and, and hopefully things get a little better, and we get some breakthroughs, and 
you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just one of those folks, just like everybody else right now, just uh, kind of, you know, hunker down in Sammamish and uh, hoping for, hoping for safe baseball at, yes. at some point, hopeful, hopeful of that. Yeah. I think we're all in that same boat. Well, in the meantime, I guess we'll talk some baseball and, you know, I was thinking about, I've been thinking about the draft a lot recently and mm-hmm. I guess we still don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but you know, I think the Major League Baseball draft, in comparison to some of the others, is just so much more difficult when you start to think about the amount of players you're dealing with. I mean, you're dealing with high school mm-hmm. kids. You're talking about kids from major college programs, small colleges, community colleges. I mean, in every town in the country. I mean, you're talking right. about thousands and thousands, right? So I think... It's really difficult under normal circumstances. I can't imagine, and I'd like to get your thoughts on what this looks like under circumstances now. Like, how much more difficult is going through the draft? Yeah, it's even more difficult. And to add to your every town in America, Puerto Rico and Canada are also subject to the draft. So not that there's tons of players that come out of those those two territories, but, you know, they're included as well. And the normal draft, at least recently, has been 40 rounds. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. It was 50 rounds. And, you know, way back in the day, they've gone 70, 80, 90, 100 rounds, (laughs) um, making it even that much more difficult and more more of a guessing game. But yeah, you know, the, the what's funny is the area scouts that I talk to, most of them feel like they're just not even involved anymore. Mm. Like their their job is already done, whereas normally at this point, late April, early May, they're still seeing players. They're still talking to players. They're trying to get 12th round picks to agree to a $10,000 signing bonus or a $2,000 signing bonus or whatever it is. They're, a lot of them just aren't involved at this point. Like, they're expecting a rush, you know, right before the draft to get that done. And, you know, there's a couple of folks that are going to be in draft rooms, you know, remote draft rooms, but they're involved in the the process on the days of the draft that are still a little up in the air in in terms of how their club, how their organization is going to make decisions. So it's certainly weird. It's uh, there's still a little bit of unknown. Um, We're going to learn. Maybe we learned a little bit from the NFL draft. And I actually kind of wonder if, some of these baseball teams aren't reaching out to their football brethren and saying, Hey, you got any tips for us in, in terms of how to do this? Cause it's, it's going, it's likely going to be remote like the NFL, even though they pushed it back to July. So yeah, I, I think we're just going to have to kind of sit back and, and see what happens. And if anything changes, like you move the draft back further or, um, you, you know, find a way to, to gather, you know, at the ballparks in their actual draft rooms and things like that, then, Maybe it can be a little bit more normal, but until we learn that, yeah, it's it's going to be strange and a lot of unknowns. Uh, speaking of a lot of unknowns, too, I was thinking about the ramifications on next year's draft, too. I mean, because you kind of lose a whole year. You know, there was a bit of a college season. Not It didn't get into conference play or anything like that, but you kind of lose a whole year of evaluation, and I wonder how much that will affect the year after. I mean, this is – not just this year's draft, but next year's as well. Yeah, and how do we determine the draft order for next year? You know, if you're That's a team right. like Seattle, for example, you're drafting number six this year. You are heading into this season, probably at least internally, and certainly, you know, those of us outside the organization, you know, they weren't going to win 90 games. They're they going to have another tough year, and there's a chance that they had a year even tougher this year than a year ago and jump into the top five of the draft 
how did they determine that now? And, and how can you kind of sort of take those opportunities away from teams like Detroit and Kansas City and Seattle that are trying to rebuild and trying to do it through the draft by doing anything but, you know, hey, you were probably going to be this team. Let's find out. There you are. You know, like there's no normal here. So what do they do? They just repeat last year, which probably hurts even a team like Seattle because, to be honest with you, they were, they were going to be top five. Yeah. So now, you know, maybe even top three. So now they're going to be six again, or how do they determine that? Like, we don't even know that. Um, it, it is going to be strange. I, I think what what a lot of scouts are hoping for in terms of the 2021 class is things get normal enough late this summer to where maybe a showcase or two can be um, uh, can can provide some opportunities for them because that's that's pretty much when the 2021 class would kind of jump on as, Hey, this is what we're thinking about now. Like they'll go through the 2020 draft thinking pretty much only about 2020 players. And then once the, the amateur season's over and the draft comes, those scouts start thinking about 2021 and those showcases that are generally in July, August. Um, and sometimes even into September, that's when they really start to gather the big information for the next season, the next year, and they're they're still hoping they're holding out hope um, from those that I talk to that they're gonna there's gonna be some semblance of showcases and they may have to push them back into the fall but as long as we get that and then next spring there's a season next February there's a season it could some be somewhat normal for the 2021 class but the draft order is my big question. This is brutal for everybody obviously and I mean pushing mm-hmm. the real world stuff behind I mean this is just a baseball conversation at this point but. You know, for the teams like the Mariners that are trying to build, you losing a year of uh, a year of your guys, your younger guys playing and getting better. But then I think about some other teams like the Dodgers, who, you know, they have a window. A team like the Astros that have a window, and the Dodgers just trade for bets. I mean, they give up good players for him. You know, I think about this uh, from different perspectives. Whether you're a team that. You know, your window is open, but how much longer is going to be open? And then a year gone out of it or a team you're trying to build. I mean, this hurts everybody in kind of different ways. It does. And there are two teams in the American League that stick out for me. Cleveland, because they're yes. running out of time with some of their players getting closer to free it's agency like Francisco Lindor. And, and, and they rely on development. They don't have a great farm system, and they don't have a bunch of, of kids that are kind of bursting onto the scene that are that are expected to be elite types this might be their last year for legitimate, you know, contention in the American League Central and the Houston Astros. I mean, they lost Garrett Cole. We don't even know what they're going to be this year. Yeah. Zach Grinke, who they traded for to kind of sort of mitigate the loss of Cole for the future. But he and Verlander, what, they're in their mid-30s, mid to late 30s. Their contracts go through next year, and they're going to get service time this year if there's any sort of a season. So do the Astros run into one final last season before they have to completely tear it down. And if that's the case, does their GM, does their front office think, man, maybe we should just do it now because, you know, you wait longer, you don't get to trade Verlander, you get less for him. You don't get to trade Grinky or you get less for him. Uh, George Springer's a free agent at the end of the season. So it's like all these decisions, if, if there's going to be any season at all, a team like Houston probably would have been smarter to do it over the winter. And now that we're going to have probably a shortened season, maybe even no season at all, it's a missed opportunity. And, and maybe the last, you know, chance for that core in Houston to get something done. So yeah, you're right, Gary, it hurts the rebuilding clubs because there's probably going to be no minor league season. 
and it, it hurts clubs that are, you know, in some sort of a limited window. I, I think the Dodgers are going to be fine because their window is as long as they want it to be. <laughs> right. It's the Dodgers and the Yankees. Right. It really is. Dodgers and Yankees window is always open. Um, maybe the Nationals are kind of in the same boat, but Max Scherzer getting a little bit older. Um, you just really never know when, when things are going to hit and, and, and a team's going to kind of sort of have to start over. Um, and, and you can't produce the Max Scherzers and the Justin Verlanders of the world at the snap of a finger. So, uh, yeah, lots of uh, lots of factors here when you consider a, a potential lost season or a shortened season because that completely ch- changes the competitive landscape there. And, uh, man, it's, it's, it's strange now, but if there's a shortened season in the playoffs, it's going to be even stranger. Yeah, no doubt. And in Houston, you know, with everything they've gone through, new GM – kind of lost in the story not only did they lose their gm but along the way they lost uh, several guys under him as well i mean pretty small front office in comparison to when they started i mean they have a lot of big decisions coming with a lot of new decision makers that whole situation i find pretty fascinating how it's going to play out yeah they're, they're a really difficult team to to project when right. you know, even back when we thought there was going to be 160 I, I don't know if we were going to get another 100 win season and i don't know if i would have bet on that but it wouldn't have shocked me or they were going to fall all the way down you know below the oakland a's or, or maybe texas and uh the la angels have a chance to, to do some damage and, and get closer to them maybe even pass them up i, I don't know what that off season was going to do to that core um you know and, and i think unfortunately baseball fans were you know, robbed at least so far of, you know, some of the fallout. I think that was going to be interesting. Yeah. I think some of the, uh, where are they going to get thrown at? What was, uh, what were the umpires going to do? What was major league baseball going to do if that did happen? Um, things of that nature. So many things that we were robbed of with, uh, with the Astro situation and kind of see how that plays out. And, and, you know, and most importantly, how that plays out in terms of how does major league baseball prevent teams from doing that again? Because it doesn't seem the punishment that MLB doled out to Boston or Houston is enough to do that. So, you know, kind of the game taking care of the game. Um, I was looking forward to that, you know, were they going to throw at folks was, you know, and then is Verlander going to retaliate? What are the umpires going to do? <laughs> I was looking forward to that. I was looking forward to the fan booze in every ballpark early in the, you know, yeah. and we're just robbed of that. And, and, uh, you know, and it's really too bad. And I'm not sure if that momentum can be built back up either, even if we get games going in July. You know, I mentioned the A's. And I thought going into this season uh, when we were in spring training, I thought the A's had a great chance to win the division. And maybe I'm higher than most on Oakland. But I really liked uh, I really liked their offensive core. And this is Simeon's last year with, with Oakland. He'll be a free agent. Mm-hmm. So that would be a big loss for them. But Chapman and Olson on the corners. I mean, some great building blocks there. I guess the question was, you know, they've done their magic the last couple of years without much of a rotation, but they have some young guys and that potentially could step forward in the rotation. I thought this could have been, or still could be, I guess, a really big year for Oakland. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there, and their future looks bright because of that rotation. I mean, Manaya is going to be back and, yeah. and expected to pitch, you know, the entire season. Um, and then you're talking about Lazardo and uh, and AJ Puck, the the two lefties. Um, you get those guys rolling. Like if those two guys have good rookie seasons, yeah, you're looking at a hundred win team most likely because those guys are going to hit. Chapman's going to hit. Simeon's going to hit. They're going to find guys. Olson certainly is going to hit, and they always seem to find guys that step up and play a little bit better than anybody really expected, whether it's one of the guys they had last year or somebody they knew they got this year. That's kind of the magic of the Oakland A's. I'm with you. I, I still see Houston and Oakland 
being the two best teams in the division, at least for this year. And then as you look forward to 2021, I think the safest way to project is Oakland's the best team. You look at that, that rotation all of a sudden is really young. It's very left-handed, but very young, controllable, cheap, gives them some options and an opportunity for three lefties at the top of that rotation to pitch like number one, number two, and number three starters. That's pretty special. So staying in the division, you know, I think it's pretty interesting when you look at baseball right now. There's seemingly uh, a, a group of teams going for it, a group of teams that have torn down to go for it down the road, and there's not a lot of middle ground. But to me, it seems like Texas and the Angels have been in that middle ground. Uh, how do you view Texas – and the Angels, and kind of project them moving forward? I really like what Texas did this offseason. I'm not sure how, how much staying power the roster they built for 2020 actually has, mm-hmm. but the philosophy seemed to make a ton of sense. And, and they, got, uh, they got some guys last year. They were able to hold you know, the Lance Lins of the world who pitched very, very well last yeah. year. And, and, and it seems like they've captured some, uh, hey, here's the kind of guys we want, and here's how we want to do it. And here's why, and here's the results to prove that we should continue to do it. When you get that going, and which is what Seattle's building now, when you get that going, free agents want to go there. Even mm-hmm. pitchers want to go there. So I really like what they build, and, and, but there's a lot of short-term stuff there too. So process-wise, I love what the Rangers did and what they're doing moving forward. Roster-wise, we really don't know a whole lot about the 2021 Rangers roster. They did a lot of short-term stuff. Some of the guys are in their 30s. Even a few of them are in their mid-30s. We're going to have to kind of wait and see. I absolutely despise what the Los Angeles Angels are doing. <laughs> you, you have to love the Rendon get because he's a great player. Sure. And we know the Angels have money, but they're heading back into the, you know, whatever, see, 2020 or even 2021 with virtually the same pitching staff, the same pitching rotation. You know, they added Dylan Bundy, but, you know, that's kind of a question mark. That's kind of let's take a shot. We know what his ability is, hasn't really put it together they're still going out there with, with the Andrew Haney's of the world and kind of hoping that, you know, something pops. They, you know, they were in the Garrett Cole sweepstakes, didn't get it done, but it seems like they threw all their eggs in that basket in terms of adding impact to their starting rotation. I actually think, you know, as you look at the division, Houston, Oakland, Texas, then the angels and the Mariners. And I'm not even hundred percent sure the Mariners can't give the angels a scare. Like that's how lowly I think of what the angels do and their entire approach to building a roster they're going to score runs but they're going to lose a lot of games you know eight to six and moving forward you look in that farm system and, and kind of their process you know they have joe Dell and, and brandon marsh but there's not a lot of pitching coming there either so um it, you know and all of this kind of points to seattle being able to in a couple of years replacing the a's as maybe the number two team in the division at least early on as they start to put things together with Oakland moving into Houston spot at the top when you just look at future talent and how yeah. the club is building rosters right now. Yeah, potentially it could time out really well for the Mariners when you project that out. You know, it's interesting, too, when you mentioned Texas, I think one of the unanswered questions is, I mean, to me, they've had such an identity around their ballpark with, you know, it's, it's a hitter's paradise. It's always hot. You know, ball gets crushed there. Now with the new park that's going to be indoors for a lot of the time, I'm curious to see how that plays out for Texas moving forward and how that may change their identity as a club. Yeah, and and I don't know what Kyle Seager's going to do anymore. <laughs> like, like what like what happens right. there, right? Like he absolutely torched that place, you know, and now they're going into a new park. I mean, 
Can we get Kyle Seeger on and just say, what's your mindset going to be, Kyle? Are you a little worried? you a little stressed out about the new ballpark? Man, he torched that place. Yeah, it, it's a good point, Gary, because we don't know how that's going to play. Is it going to be neutral park? Is it going to be a pitcher's park? Is it still going to be a hitter's park? Because you're still going to get the, the warmer weather and, and things like that. Um, it, I haven't seen the dimensions um, specifics of the dimensions, but I think they're relatively neutral dimensions. So it would just be environment we're talking about. And, you know, one thing we haven't talked about, the baseball. Uh, what baseball yeah. are we going to get? We're going to get last year's regular season baseball. We're going to get the postseason baseball. It's going to be something completely different. You know, when I was writing up all my scouting reports for my prospect guide over the winter, I had to include in every single report, pitcher or hitter, hey, if the environment's the same, this is what I think. If the ball is the same, here's what I think. If they keep the ball, here's what might happen. If they don't keep the ball, then maybe this is what we're looking at. Um, it's just been very strange. I think that comes into play when a, a club like Texas opens up a new ballpark. Yeah, one of the many unanswered questions. Hey, the the other park's still standing. I think before games, Kyle Seeger should just go over there and at least take BP and their <laughs> old ballpark across the street and then just wander over for the game just to, you know, That's probably get that good. same You feeling. should suggest that to him. It's a brilliant idea, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, Church, this has been fun. It's been fun to just talk baseball for a few minutes with you, and uh, hopefully we'll do it again in the very near future. And hopefully we're talking about actual baseball Absolutely. in the near, uh, near future. Um, my big thing on that, Gary, is I don't want MLB to get preferential treatment over regular people. Um, but I sure. do think there's hope for baseball, and, and hopefully in a month or two uh, we have more information on that. I can talk about some real stuff. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Church. Uh, before Appreciate you it, go, Gary. though, uh, let people know where they can find your podcast and your writing as well. Uh, yeah, you can actually just find me on Twitter, at Prospect Insider. The podcast is Baseball Things. We're actually going to have three more episodes this week. Half of them are subscriber only. But the other half are free. We're going to have a couple of free ones this week. So just uh, just go and find me on Twitter, and you'll find all the links to the podcast. Perfect. Thanks, Church. Talk soon. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate it, man.